McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 88. Well it's been over a week since we spoke but now we're back to business and back on track. Joining me today on the podcast is Andy Mitchell and Freddie Webb. How are you Andy? Not too bad thank you mate. All good. Uh, yeah loving lockdown 2.0 as everyone else is I am sure. Uh, I'm loving Lockdown 2.0 as well. And what I'm loving even more is Freddie Webb with his new jingle for Lockdown 2.0. Freddie Webb, how are you? <laughs> I'm, d- I'm doing all right, thank you. Yeah, Lockdown's pff, it's just the same as the last one. So I- I'll be, I'm used to it by now. Yeah, battle-hardened is what we are now, boys. We're battle-hardened from it. We know, we know what we're doing. Mate, just, you turn to the alcohol in Lockdown times, don't you? Let's be honest. Andy is drinking gin right now. That's, not, that's literally <laughs> not video. true. That's literally not true. It's vodka lemonade. Vodka but there's the wine in the background, so we don't know. We don't know how much of it is drunk. Drunk. Honestly, so I'll, I'll it's legit. The moment I knew I became an adult was when I got a wine rack. That's when I knew I wasn't a kid anymore. I was like, yeah, boom, I'm officially posh. Yes. This is what the listeners are here for, lads. Discussion on our drinking. But listen, let's go. Let's go back into it. So starting off, we're going to review the Ipswich game. Following on from that, we're going to review the game against West Ham that's just passed. And then we're going to go and talk to the question we put out to you guys, which is, um, Hadji Mangoa has made it now in, into the first team. He's made, a, he's made a league start. But who's the next player from the Pompey Academy crop who's going to break in and get a league game? And following on from that, we are going to preview the game on Monday, which is quite a long way away now, against Plymouth. Right, guys, let's get into it. Ipswich. You know, it, it was a game that started off pretty brightly. Ronan Curtis with that goal. And Freddie, with that free kick, did you think when he was shooting from there that it would go in? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> as soon as he set up for it, I thought, oh, it's just going to go, it's just going to go around the post. And he hits it really well, actually, surprisingly. It was it was in the perfect spot. It classes as a known goal because it went straight off the keeper. But no, and by that time, Portsmouth were well up for their lead, getting the, getting the goal in roughly five minutes in and kicked on from there. Yeah, no, I, I didn't think it was going to go in either. But do you know what? When you've got confidence, when, when you, you know, you're scoring, you put that on target as best you can. It comes off the keeper. Quality will have that. Thank you very much, Ronan Curtis. Andy, the second goal was a little bit less glamorous. Tom Naylor. Yeah, it's a cutback for, for Tom Naylor. He takes the shot again. I think that's not going in again. I think that looks to me like it's straight down the keeper's throat. But you've got to shoot to get goals, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. I think at that point we were good value for the league. Um, Nom Taylor, love the BBC doing their research for the team as usual. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah funny, as I say, man. like that's what you sit on the edge of the box waiting for, isn't it? It was a nice pullback that sat up, 
beautifully to hit. And as you say, it takes a couple of deflections, but at the end of the day, who really cares? Like, how many times do you see that deflect wide or whatever? And you say, oh, it's just not going to be our day today. Obviously, on what was it, Saturday, it just was our day, as reflected in a couple of other decisions as well. Another and- thing we had to notice was uh, Ronan Curtis's celebration for the first goal. I think everybody enjoyed that. Yeah, and talk yeah. people through it, Freddie, who weren't listening or watching. Exactly, <laughs> we'll move on. Basically, there were there was a video of Rowan Curtis enjoying himself in a nightclub with, with a girl. We'll put we'll, we'll put it like that. Go on, Ronan. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So no, that that's fair enough. Um, I think at that point it was two now. I think I was in well, I was in bed being ill, but at the same time, think looking back on that, I thought Pompey should be doing pretty well and maybe push on. But Pompey were on TV, even if it was at the red button. Um, which usually means that we're not going to win. And then the game flips a little bit and a goal goes against Pompey, against the run of play, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Freddie? Yeah, well, it was to a certain extent. For, for the first half, Portsmouth were completely dominant throughout the entire game. They could have scored three or four. It, they didn't. But when it came out for the second half, Ipswich were a completely different side. And sorry to use the cliche, but it turned into a game of two halves. And yeah, Ipswich did really well. Started started to actually get the most of their passing. They they were just hoofing it on to other Hawkins for a while, which we know how familiar that is. But yeah, they got they got into the game really quickly, and it was a it was a bit of poor defending from both centre halves. Both of them went to both of them went to the player with the ball, who cut it back over to Joe Nolan, who who um, stuck it into the corner. It was a very nice finish from him. No, it was a nice finish. But I wanted to know, Andy, your thoughts on Sean Raggett in this position. It's one of those things. I thought we had a pretty good game overall, but I think he should have done better, really, with that clearance, which should have, even in the sense of what I'm always saying, we need our defenders to pass the ball out of the box. You know, we need to get the progressive passing moving. That's got to be a situation where you just got to put your boot for it, probably, haven't you? Get it out for a throw. If in doubt, get it out. I think so. But then when you do, if in doubt, get it out and hoof it out into the 15th row of seats, people complain that we should be trying to pass the ball out. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Obviously, the end result wasn't exactly what was intended. Um, but as you say, in general, had a pretty solid game and obviously came up with the winner as well, as we'll come on to. Um, I think it's important we know that Ipswich did have, I think it was nine changes to their side for the FA Cup. They're obviously prioritising the league, similar to what we did in the EFL, whatever the trophy's called. That Papa John's trophy, and Papa John's. That, the Haber Pineapple trophy. trophy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, Slice so the action. It was which aren't prioritising the FA Cup in any way, shape or form. Um, and I think, yeah, for the first part of the game, that reflected in in the game playing that Pompey were pretty dominant. As you say, when Ipswich pulled the goal back, it was very much against the run of play and not particularly deserved, but that gave them a bit of a kick of confidence and pushed them into the into the game. And as you say, when we're on TV, it's never easy, is it? It's not, uh, not the, the place we have the best track record. It doesn't matter who we're playing if we're on TV, does it? It's always going to be a Pompey game. It's always going to be a little bit of drama going against us or whatever's going to happen. But let's move on a little bit. Ollie Hawkins, Freddie, you mentioned him earlier on. Obviously, you know, left us, went to Ipswich. Seems to have got quite a lot of game time, actually, for Ipswich. And uh, a lot of pundits have heard people talking about him. We're actually pretty impressed with how he's settled in there. I think he's pretty unlucky there, wasn't he? Not to to get a penalty, actually, when Nick Eliasson cheekily takes him down to the floor, shall we say. But... We've seen Hawkins play quite a lot, a lot obviously, uh, but he doesn't get those decisions, does he? No, he doesn't. And to be honest, I, I, I wouldn't say it was a penalty. I thought the centre half had, had every right to go for that ball, from what I remember. And 
I don't think there was enough contact to bring a player like Hawkins down. And that's probably why he doesn't get those decisions. It, it's entirely different if a player like Ronan Curtis goes down under that sort of challenge and if Oliver Hawkins does. And to be brutally honest, he, he had an okay game. You could see they were, they were trying to do what Portsmouth did two seasons ago. They were trying to play out from the back initially, but when Portsmouth pressed, they weren't very good at it. They went for a long ball to Oliver Hawkins, who tried to head it on to um, Sears, and I can't remember the other winger Bear with me because they're playing a 4-3-3, I think. Bennett, excuse me. They were trying to play it to Bennett and Sears on both sides. Did okay. He did okay with some link-up. There was one opportunity where, where, he, where he got the ball in the centre on the floor and put, did a good through ball to Sears. But apart from that, he didn't do a lot. And when James Norwood came on, it, Ipswich looked a lot more fluid and looked, looked, looked like the better side in that second half. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I do think, though, that with Ollie Hawkins then, that maybe could have been a penalty. That's my, that's my personal perspective. Don't know what Andy thinks about it. You do know what I think about it, mate. Stonewall, <laughs> absolutely a penalty. Freddie, you are chatting absolute rubbish. <laughs> a, foul, a foul is a foul. Whether I don't care if it's on Hawkins or Curtis. If you do the same thing to both of them, a foul is a foul. You shouldn't need to have to go down because you're a smaller build or whatever, or six inches shorter to get a penalty. Absolute rubbish. Um, he, he went down <laughs> too easy, Andy. It's all right. I not. I mean, we spent how many hours of our lives at Fratton Park watching Hawkins not get those decisions in a Pompey shirt? And, I mean, yeah, it was nice that it benefited us on this occasion but for me that is absolutely a penalty and Hawkins is continuing like he's in a different blue shirt but he's still getting the same sort of the same decisions from referees by the looks of it speaking of the referee it was it, it was a stra- it was a strange referee informs because a lot of the stuff he didn't get he didn't give at all there are a lot of strong challenges and we'll probably go to another one where we've had Jimaloga later there are a lot of strong challenges that were left but then about five minutes later, he would give an innocuous foul and you would just think, why was that given if you weren't giving everything else yeah, 10 he, minutes ago? He, he didn't but do yeah, a great job for either side, did he, really? I don't no, think not he... really. No, well, we are going to go and talk about the Haji Minoga um, foul, Freddie. Since you're a podcast pro, why don't you lead us into it? <laughs> so basically, from what, from what I remember the game, Haji Minoga was high at, the, high at the pitch. He he did that a lot when he came on and essentially went went, went in for a slide tackle, got the ball... But as he went, in for, he managed to get the ball, but got a lot of the man as well. And Andy Haynes left it. I was expecting him to. I was expecting him to pull it up, but no. And, and you can see Paul Lambert absolutely raging on the sidelines. Yeah, I think I think a lot of rest would have given the yellow card there. I mean, that's fair to say. That I initially thought you. it would. Yeah, I initially thought it would be a yellow. But yeah, that, that's my feelings on it. But you know, maybe uh, Jackets gave him a little tap on the shoulder and said, maybe try and tone those down a little bit. Well, I do know. love those challenges, though. I am. Was that any different, really, to what Prattley did at the weekend? To was it Johnson he did it to and didn't get a card for Charlton? It was. No, yeah, it was true. less. It was a better, like less of a bad challenge than Prattley's by a mile. And Prattley didn't even get a yellow. So if we want consistency, then we've got it. Um, I think. Yeah, you can see a yellow given for it, but I think more was made of it than needed to be made. It's a physical challenge, and it was a good challenge. And he's a big lad. He's just like, isn't he's a strong built lad. And if he's not making challenges like that, then he's wasting the physicality that he's got, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It's nice to see him get stuck in, to be yeah, honest. All right, I love that. And and to be fair, let's just quote Sean Ragger, it's which are a bunch of pussies. Is that a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, 
he must love scoring against Norwich. <laughs> no, it's not a Norwich radio. It's not a direct quote, obviously, but uh, I think I think that uh, the bit of banter was implied as we'll come on to. So, yeah, obviously, Ipswich get the game back. They take Hawkins off. They think, wait a second, we need someone prolific to be brought on, even though he's not been that prolific in League One. But they bring on James Norwood, who a ball gets played through over the top. Nicolaisen's not in position there just because he's a little bit quicker on the shoulder. Can't blame the defence for that, in my opinion. That's purely a little bit of craftiness along the line from Norwood. Good positioning, sound finish. Can't really say much about the goal unless you guys have got anything to input on that. Apart from it's a well-taken goal from a striker who can find the net in form. Yeah, I had no He's, doubt that he was um, not going to. I had no doubt he was not going to score that when he went through. It was very good bit of passion to play from Ipswich, and that's what they weren't doing during the second half. And I think that's what pissed a lot of Portsmouth fans off. It was the fact that again they played so well in the first half, pressing very high, linking up the passing really well. Their defensive shape was really good. They didn't look like giving much away. But then again, it might have been the injuries. It might have been injuries to Cannon because he went off around half time. They lost the midfield completely when Ben Close Ben Close was on, and I think that's where Ipswich got a lot of joy, and that's where that um, that long pass came from to James Norwood. And yeah, I don't know why he didn't start the game. Let's pick this up, Andy, because um, I know we're going to go and talk about the end of the game first, but Freddie highlighted a pretty key point there, and that wouldn't have been reflected in the West Ham game due to the, you know, the nature of the of the starting lineup. But Andy Cannon out, Ben Close in, the nature of the injury means that he might be out for you know a couple of games coming up. Are, are we happy to see? Because you know, we've been quite uh, pro-Ben Close coming in in some ways as well as Andy Cannon, but as Freddie said, there was a bit of a difference there in the midfield. Are we, should we be concerned against a team like Plymouth when we come onto it? And later on, we're playing some decent footballing sides again. We've got crew coming up after that. Are we going to struggle without Andy Cannon? Um, yeah, I think we're hoping that Cannon will be back for the crew game, but he's definitely missing the Plymouth game. Um, I agree, yeah. We seem to lose a bit of impetus uh, when Cannon came off injured uh, at the weekend. And... It's definitely unfortunate. I think that he's one of those players that is an impact player and sort of drives forward, which is, again, something we'll come on to when we talk about the West Ham game that we struggle to do a little bit. Um, I think you notice his absence now when he's not in the side. Um, I mean, I don't know what your guys' views are on who should directly replace him, whether you'd have Ben Close in there or whether you'd go Morris Naylor or what your, your gut instinct would be on that one. I Freddie, would still... Morris, I, I right? would probably still have... <laughs> I would still have Ben Close in the side ahead of him. I um, it's a, sh- it's a shame, but you were looking for Ben Close to have that sort of game where you think, okay, he's in the side now. You can tell why you can tell why everybody was angry that he hasn't been playing. He made a couple of very good pa- passes during the second half, very very good link up play, and you can tell he was comfortable on the ball. But again, I, 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 I'm not sure if you can blame blame the entire passage of play that second half on Ben Close, and it's probably unfair. But Porsche had no midfield in the second half. No midfield at all. I think, uh, uh, and that was where Ipswich got all, all their joy and throughout the centre of the pitch. And it was exacerbated when they brought in the brought on the third centre half and centre mid. Sorry, in uh, extra time. I think what you said there, Freddie, is really similar to what what, what game was our, we had Jonty on after. Was it the South End game, Hugh? Yes, I think so. Jonty came on and said very similar in that he wanted Ben Close to take that opportunity, and he didn't feel like he had. And he's one of those players, as John, as, uh, as Freddie says, does incredible things with the football, like absolute wand of a foot in terms of um, spraying out long balls, and then does something absolutely quality from time to time, but then 
doesn't have that consistent impact maybe that you want him to do and I I like him I rate him as a player and he's got it in him and you're just so desperate for him to demonstrate that when he gets his chances and just hasn't the last couple of times he's he's had that opportunity in the first team but to be fair I believe Andy that John T also said that Andy Cannon came in and didn't take his chance either so what, what the discussion was about it was about Bryn Morris and whether Andy Cannon or um, Ben Close should come in effectively and you know step in for Bryn Morris well now neither of them did in that game but now Andy Cannon has stepped up we know they're both good players Ben Close time to do the same mate here we go right let's hope he does yeah, it against Plymouth I suppose yeah yeah we know he's got the quality I agree mate Let's move on to the uh, Ragadinho's winner. Um, <laughs> we always think that a lot of things go against us as Pompey fans. A lot of things again go against us. But this one didn't. It's miles offside. I absolutely love it. Get in there, Sean Raggett. Why not celebrate? And why not go out to the press afterwards and go, go on, haters. What are you saying about me now? Because we know Raggett's been going out there, giving it the big one. And there he should. He's two yards offside. He kicks the ball in. What a ledge. What a ledge <laughs> against 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 Ipswich. Love it all. Freddie Webb, tell me now, should Raggett be so excited about that goal, number one? And number two, <laughs> I don't even know what about anymore. <laughs> Talk us through your thoughts, Freddie, on that goal and, you know, what it means to us. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Everybody should be happy about that goal, even though it was two yards offside, because, well, you either have that sort of goal or you have VAR, and I think I know which one I would want. And... Yeah, it was an excellent free kick into the box. Rasmus rose highest at first. That header probably would have gone on it in on its own, but, but Sean Raggett said in an interview, he said it was instinct that made him go for that ball from a yard out. Strike which, is instinct, which I like. that's what I like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, was it deserved on balance of play? Yes, because I thought Portsmouth had an excellent period of extra time. Completely different to the last extra time, which we had to watch, which I won't bring up any more of ever again. They got that impetus back in midfield. Harrison, who who was a bit absent when he came on in the second half, he started to get going. Managed to get those passes out out wide. Williams started to make, to make runs again between the centre half and the fullback, and Brim Morris stabilised it. Um, he 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 was a bit further forward than Ben Close was, which I thought was a bit odd, very odd in that scenario. If you if you look at the players on paper, and I thought he had a reasonable game in extra time, but all in the whole. I'm happy that Portsmouth have got that goal. And really, that game, if you if you give that game to a neutral and say, this is what Portsmouth are, I think people would understand. Because a lot of people either, they really rate Pompey and think they, they could easily walk League One just with the players they have. They look at the expected goals without looking at the games and go, oh, Portsmouth will be fine, no problem at all. Or you've got the people on the other end who think this team's awful. This team is a play. Uh, this team's a playoff team, but I don't think it's any more than that. And it, it, I think that Ipswich game showed everything. And even though Ipswich had the nine changes, you could argue back and forth about whether it's a good win or not. It's a good win against a playoff contender. It's just a shame it's not a league game. Yeah, no, I get that. Okay, let's let's go on because we've, we've talked a lot about this game. It's, it's a good win. We move into the FA Cup to make, face the the mighty Kings Lynn. Who I'm sure Sean Raggett's already been there on holiday. If you live in Norwich, you've probably been there. Oh, on holiday. Hugh, big shout out by the way. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get this out on every bit of media we do for for Pompey fans. Uh, Jake Smith's tattoo. I'm I'm thinking if we get it out there in the public domain, you know, we've done it on Fratton Faithful, we've done it on Pompey News now, we're doing it on the pod. Sean Raggett himself has said it's got to happen. I mean, the more we get it out there, the more likely it will happen. And there's 
the, the best thing to come out of 2020 could be Sean Raggett's face on Jake Smith's ass. And that would be a massive win for me, to be honest. What, so, what a ledge. Yeah, I'm that. so glad that Jake's agreed to go ahead with it. He's agreed on radio. He's told us personally for the podcast that he's up for it. He's, he said on Frat and Faithful he's going for it. Any, any Pompey media, you know, Jake's up for this one. It surprised me how much he's up for it, to be honest. And I'm a big fan of tattoos. But what we're going to have to do is try and get a, a council of people to adjudicate the tattoo live to make sure that it goes ahead, uh, provide live updates. Maybe we could stream it live. Yeah, like a live podcast episode. The live pods would be great. We'll bring we'll bring the microphones, all the stuff down. You know, we'll get we'll get something going, and maybe people we could do for charity. People could maybe maybe you know donate some money or hundred episode special. (laughs) I was hoping to do something a little bit more fun, but why not? Why not? Why not? Let's get Jake involved. All right, let's just move on quickly because we spent a lot of time on that one. the The US Dam game is a lot less eventful, so there's less to talk about in the sense of what happened in the game. I mean, the goal we conceded, it was it was pretty standard stuff, really. West Ham, they get it to the byline, they cut it back and they score. Maybe save the defence a little bit static, but I haven't got too many complaints, really, about the goal itself. Andy, you watched the game with absolute hawkeye, didn't you, yesterday? I mean, and you've been doing a lot of analysis after the game on, to do with the stats, etc. But what did you think exactly about that West Ham game? And could you just give us the lowdown and your thoughts? Oh, clearly, mate. Um, yeah, the I follow dropped me a code because... Apparently, something went wrong on the game that I fell asleep during the South End game. So they sent a code through to watch it for free, which was pretty good. Um, I mean, you saw the lineup that we put out. Average age was 21. And you've got Harvey Roos, 18. Hajim Nogger is 18. Tegut's 18. Charlie Bell, 17. Harry Kavanagh, 18. Alfie Stanley, 18. There's a lot of a lot of youth in that side. And over the course of the 90 minutes, including subs, six debuts for the senior team, uh, we started fairly slowly, which is understandable. You look at how many of those young players have been on loan at, at other senior clubs and won't have actually played together that much recently or even trained together too much recently. And it's not surprising that it took them a bit of time to gel. So, yeah, we conceded, uh, conceded early. Um, but then, to be fair, which grew into the game. Um, I don't really have any... I was looking for it, but there aren't really any negatives to take from the game, to be honest with you. Um They'd more than held their own. Um, you could see when they tried to break down West Ham in um, in the second half, when West Ham was playing a, a sort of a 5-4-1 when they were behind the ball, uh, it was very difficult for break them down with sort of that quick passing that we've started to become accustomed to. Um, it was interesting that, well, we sort of played a 4-4-1-1-ish, almost a 4-4-2. I thought it was interesting to see that that's the, the formation we went for. I'm guessing Jacket is planning sort of more long-term and to bring through players, hopefully, to sit into this 4-4-2 system we've adopted in the league now, which would be nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I, to be honest with you, it's all pretty positive. Um, Harvey Ruano and Tega on the left are linked up pretty nicely, look good going forward. Um, Charlie Bell and Bryn Morris looked pretty nice in centre midfield together. And they, like I said earlier, they didn't get as forward um, as much as someone like Andy Cannon would do. They were sort of stuck a little bit more defensively which made it difficult to cut through West Ham but they looked really solid and you know if I was able to play like that when I was 17 I'd be yeah pretty happy with my debut to be honest with you yeah um yeah uh, I think second half it got to the point slightly later on where it looked like we were playing the safe pass a little bit too much um but that could have just been trying to keep possession but I mean the bench didn't have a senior cap between them um so the three players that came on so Brooke 17 um, Jewett White is 16 and Lee is 17 
and came on and again, yeah, held their own against a West Ham team who are going to be coming from having sort of bigger, better facilities um, and yeah, more than held their own. I thought it was a, a promising performance looking forward to the next few years and it was nice to see players like coming through the ranks, genuinely proud to play for the shirt. Like we talk when things are down about whether players are given 110%, etc. But so many of those players are actually fans of the club and I've, it was, I was buzzing to see some of them get that senior cap, to be honest with you. Yeah. And some of yeah, them we spoke it, about as well, isn't it? Some of the guys we spoke to on the podcast as well, you know, we knew how much and people listening to the podcast who listened to those interviews would know how much it means to those players as well to get that chance. Um, Harry Cavan, a mate, you've now got to give my mate Jim his shirt because you said you'd have to wait until that. So if you're listening, <laughs> get the shirt sorted, mate. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously a massive deal um, for the guys as well. And I'm going to have to say credit to Kenny Jacket for actually starting the young players in that game because it would have been easy to try and keep the unbeaten run of however many bloody hours it is, a thousand hours of EFL Cup um, matches. But, you know, he's made the right decision here and he's, um, he, you know, he's given the young players the chance to play for the club. And yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. It's really promising to see how quickly the players have been developing once getting that sort of that taste for the first team and even being around the first day match day squad. So Haji Minoga looked like more like one of the senior members of that team. If if you were asking me just to say who looked like they were senior players in the squad, I'd have said obviously Downing, Bolton, Morris, but I'd have put Haji Minoga in that bracket. And then you sort of have to pinch yourself and remember that he's what, 18? Um, but has grown really really quickly into looking like he's just part of that first team squad and yeah didn't look like he was one of the younger players making one of his early uh, early appearances for the first team I think Manoga's taken Bolton's spot right back I think if you have to think about it since it, it, the few performances he had so far he's done very well and I'm glad he got this game as well and I'm also glad that Portsmouth can actually play their youngsters in the, in, in EFL trophy games now because before Andrew if you remember years ago they got fined if they made a certain amount of changes and they wouldn't have been able to do what they did today so that was very nice of them that rule one was thing joke, that was interesting it? yeah yeah it was ridiculous because they because obviously the premier league b teams could do whatever they liked which is quite stupid one interesting thing that i'll bring up uh, guy whittingham wasn't very impressed with geordie hewler um basically saying uh, i don't have the direct quote with me so it, I, i'm paraphrasing here but he basically said that he didn't look like a senior player I think that's a bit harsh considering Georgie Hewler hasn't played a minute of proper football since March, well, since, since the first COVID-19 lockdown at any rate, and he didn't have a proper pre-season either because Portsmouth signed him late. But still, it, 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 you could tell that he was off the pace a lot from that game. I, I chucked the quote in our group chat. It was Guy Wingham said, you wouldn't know that he wasn't an academy player. That was the direct quote. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's harsh to judge that without seeing him playing around the rest of the first team. Um, but, I mean, he didn't stand out like you'd hope he would. But, I mean, like you say, he's not going to be match fresh, is he? So, I think that's quite harsh to base that opinion on, yeah, 90 minutes of play. I think you can say that fine in, in the isolated game. He didn't look, you know, like anything different but the academy player. But I do agree with with you guys that you can't judge a player purely on the first game back from match fitness into the in the first team squad because there'll be a lot of players now who play for us who are absolute class who if we judge them purely on the first time they ever played for us um, we wouldn't have the same analysis or the same you know opinion of how good they are now so we'll hold up our horses and see if he actually gets any more games because let's be honest his contract's up in January isn't it so 
it'll be interesting to see what Kenny Jacket does with that contract situation because I've seen him play at other clubs and I, I'm pretty impressed with how he's played. He's always played well against Pompey. He's looked a threat. He scored a lot of goals. He looked good for Coventry. So I'm willing to give um, Jordi a, a you know decent chance, decent bit of rope, and we'll see. But it's going to be difficult with Marquis Harness, um, you know, up up top in front of him and stuff. But obviously you've got Ellis Harrison there as well. Alfie Stanley, youngster, are coming through, but. You know, there's competition for places, and that's why he's been signed to be to be there to get that competition. So, all right, guys. Yeah, um, let, yeah let's let's go on. Uh, let's talk about. So we put the question out there. Um, Hachi Minoga, he's made it into the first team squad, as Freddie says. Potentially, maybe pipping James Bolton to the right back role there, but maybe behind Callum Johnson. Let's be honest. But which one of the Blues players who we saw last night? We'll make the debut in League One first. So I put the question out there to you guys. Again, thank you very much for the response. I put it out pretty late, so apologies for that. But there was one player, guys, who got, to be honest, everyone came back to me and said, that's the one player who stood out. Everyone mentioned him. Can you guess who it was? I'm going with Harvey Roo. Is that correct? That is. That is right. Unbelievable. Andy Mitchell. That is correct. So, all right. So I went out to people and asked them why Harvey Rue was the player who they particularly liked. Um, and uh, uh, Lee uh, Bollard put in, cheers, mate, for the response. He said, very hard to pick one thing. He was a very promising, intelligent, excited young player. His overall game is very pleasing on the eye. Fair enough, like that. Um, Gavin came um, message in, cheers, mate. And he just said that he thought he showed composure on the ball. Do you think that's fair, Freddie? Do you think he was a fairly composed player on the ball compared to maybe some of the other players on the pitch? I thought so. You could definitely, you could definitely tell where you can definitely tell he was comfortable whenever he got the ball. Movement off the ball less so, but I think most youth players are like that. Where that's usually the thing that stops um, young midfielders from getting it from you know senior football. They're, they're comfortable when they're on the ball, but when they're but when they're away from the ball. There's no, there's not the sense of where to be and so on. But, but yeah, I, I, I would also pick Rue as the, um, the youngster who stood out in that game. Yeah. So he carried on and said he was strong in the challenge, good energy, still overlapping at the other end. Um, he thought Bellwells had a good first touch, but let down in the middle due to Morris's poor play. Is it fair to blame it on Bryn Morris in the middle there, or do you think Andy? Do you think we stuck? Bell next to Tom Naylor, he's suddenly going to flourish better? Or, or do you think it's more of an individual performance? No, as I said earlier, I thought he had a really, really good debut. Um, I think it's, I think Morris was fairly solid. I wouldn't over-criticise either of them. I think for a, a centre midfield pairing that potentially have never played together before, I don't know how much they've played together behind the scenes on a, on a week-by-week basis at Pompey, but they've definitely not played a match day competitively before. Um, and it's, it takes time to build up that pairing in the centre of midfield. So I thought they did, yeah, a perfectly good job. Um, and again, it's nice to know we've got a bit of, you know, a bit of depth and some options there if, if needs be. Um, yeah, I'd echo what uh, what was said there about Rue. Um, it, was, it was, what, his second um, senior performance. So his, I was at his debut last year away against Oxford. And he came off at half time in that game, I think, from memory. And yeah, in, in 12 months, Definitely, you, you could physically see the improvements um, in front of you as he was playing. And obviously, lasted, uh, it wasn't taken off at half time on this occasion. So, yeah, I mean, similar to what Freddie said, definitely in general, these players, these younger players are stronger on the ball than off it. Um, I mean, I think stronger going forward as well rather than defensively. So, it's one thing we spoke about with Harry, was it last, last week when we were talking to Harry? He said that he's 
more confident in his going forward play and needs to work more on his defensive play. Um, but I think, yeah, overall, I'd say either either Rue or Kavanagh or Bell would be my three standouts from that side. I don't know if you'd agree, um, Freddie? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I was hoping you'd say more than that, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, massively. And I think people have gone through and named um, a few people thought that um, Kavanagh did well to get around the overlap and get that header on target. Um, someone mentioned Harrison Brook as Andrew Perriman. Thought he looked good when he played as well. So yeah, overall, lads, pretty happy. Um, and obviously, I think, as we said, Harvey Ruse, the player who stood out for the game. And just to let listeners know, unless there's some sort of striker lightning or something happens or you know we can't do it again next week, Harvey Rue will be on the podcast for next week's episode to talk us through his journey. podcast is a proud member of the fan hub 100 football without fans is nothing so we've partnered with fan hub to put fans first search fan hub app to play your part in the journey cool let's get into it then plymouth argyle green or me the plymouth people the second best team in devon after exeter let's be honest um they're 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 an interesting lot they seem to have a bit of a, a beef problem with us there's this fake derby you know obviously you know, nothing's going on about that, but I've already been asked about that from other media outlets, should we say. You want me to talk about the game and I've had to tell them it's not a derby, blah, blah, blah. But forget all the rubbish and Derek Adams is gone now. Thank God for that because I just don't want to hear what he's saying all the whole time. But they've got Ryan Lowe. He's a very good manager. I think what he's doing there at Plymouth is, is pretty impressive. Plymouth have looked really good this season already. Going forward in particular, they, they're a team who like to get forward, who like to attack. They play like a 3-5-2 system, which is the same system they played in League 2 to get promoted. I think it was questioned whether they'd swap the system up coming into, into League 1. But Plymouth have a very attacking philosophy under Lowe and he believes in his system um, and it actually does work pretty well for them. I think as a team, defensively, they are quite susceptible. They play the offside trap a lot, which means there is spacing behind them. They press high. They're a team who Pompey have the ability to get out there, score a few goals early and try and potentially try and kill them off because Plymouth will score goals, I believe, in this game. I think they'll score against us. You know, they're attacking, they're good going forward. They've got a mix of attackers. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail, but I'm just going to throw this over to one of you guys and say, what are your thoughts here? Uh, Freddie, have you got any thoughts in particular about Plymouth and, you know, how are we going to get at them? I think it'll be a very tough game. Plymouth for an excellent side. I do like Ryan Lowe's um, tactical awareness. It's, they play a very, very fluid style of football. They love to hang on to the ball a lot. In terms of the data, they have 14.86 expected goals, which is sixth in the entire division. So they're doing very well in terms of that. In terms of that, Ports are fourth, by the way. Um, so yeah, they 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 create a lot of high quality chances with their fluid play. If they get a goal early, especially at their home ground, I think it would be difficult for Portsmouth to um, to get back into the game, especially if they're playing 4-4-2. Maybe Kenny Jacket does the same thing that he did against Sunderland, where he sort of sat back with his two banks of four and then looked to counter-attack. Maybe he does the same thing and, and also presses the three centre-halves. But I think it would be a very difficult game for Portsmouth. And Portsmouth have to focus on what Plymouth goal are bad at and that's defensively and crosses so um, Portsmouth might have to change their system up a tiny bit 
So you jumped, you said that I, I knew it would be an XG thing. It wouldn't be a podcast with you on Fred if you didn't mention XG at some point. Absolutely. So you said they're, they're what sixth in XG, but they're, I said, look at the actual goals scored, which to me is more important. I know we disagree on that, um, but they are joint fourth in terms of goals scored. But they in the league, they also haven't kept a clean sheet for six games. So they did it the weekend against Charlton in the FA Cup, where they won uh, 1-0, really good win, to be fair. I don't know what side Charlton put out. Um, but yeah, they are the sort of team that are going to concede goals uh, throughout the season. So you'd think that, you know, they're, they're conceding more than a goal a game at the moment. Um, and yeah, they're, they're currently eighth with seventh in the table. They're the only team in the top eight who have conceded more than one goal per game. Um so, as in on average, um, so you'd think that there are going to be opportunities there for Pompey going forward. But um, as you say, they're a slightly less disliked side now. They've lost people like McCormick and Adams. Um, as long as, you know, people don't tweet the dockyard derby bullshit. It's one of the few phrases I've got blocked on Twitter or muted on Twitter <laughs> is that. Just cannot be dealing with it. Uh, to be honest with you, absolute waste of time. And I nibble every time someone brings it up. Um but yeah, they, they're realistically, they're going to concede goals um, and they have a game in hand on us and they're two points below. So this is essentially their game in hand on us. So it is quite an important tie for us not to drop three points um, because, yeah, if they win that game in hand, they go above us, obviously, with other teams potentially doing the same. Yeah, and they've also got a pretty balanced attack up front. They're not a team who has to rely on on one player. They've got strikers up front like Ryan Hardy. He's back, I think he's a young striker, 22, 23. Um, he, he's good at dribbling, gets the ball down. He shoots well. They've got more of the classic strikers. They've got Frank Newball. Obviously, he was at Chelsea Academy, went to West Ham. Um, he's pretty good in the air. I think he's one of the, the team leaders for, for aerial duels. He can you know, score goals that way as well. And they've also got this young player who I'd know absolutely nothing about. So people, if you do know, or lads, if you know anything about Luke Jepot, please let me know. Or Jepcott is actually how his name's pronounced, I believe. He's 20 years old and he's managed to get six goals in five games for them. Obviously, that's pretty impressive. That's across all competitions, but five of those have been in the league. They're a team that will score against us, I think. I mean, I don't want to say will definitely score against us, but I, I, I mean, I do think they'll score against us. We've got the ability to score against them. Will Jacket go out and play the game, which Plymouth probably want us to play, and it's called I can score more goals than you? Because that, that, is, that is potentially the way that Plymouth will play. They're not going to try and defend a lead of 1-0. They're not. They know they're not going to do it. They're going to come at us and try and score more goals. They haven't been able to protect the lead before in the past. They've, you know, they've gone one nil up, two nil up, and the people have pulled goals back. So, Freddie, do you think Kenny Jackett's going to play the game, or do you think he's going to come out, try and grab a goal or two lead, and sit back and defend it? I think it'll be a bit of both, uh, in a sense of he will play. Uh, I, I think he still will play the four four two. I don't think he'll go back to the four two three one. I don't think, but I do. I think he'll employ a similar tactic against Sunderland because Plymouth are playing are playing a three at the back formation where the high breast won't be in the middle of the pitch. It'll be in Plymouth's final third on the three centre-halves. So um, the Plymouth three centre-halves will either hit it along to a winger and Portsmouth getting the ball back or, 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 or succumb to the pressure of um, Portsmouth strikers. And I think if Portsmouth do get a lead, I think they will do the same thing against Sunderland. As I said earlier, they'll sit in their, in their two banks of four and... Uh, Maybe Curtis and Williams on both sides, or the wingers on both sides. I don't think it'd be Curtis because he's on an international break. Yeah, that's a good question. Williams who's on that play? right hand side. Who's going to play on the left? 
Andy. Don't put that to me. I've got no bloody idea. Come on, um, yeah, if you're miss, missing Curtis and Jacobs, it's a it's a big loss, right? Um, and you know, worst case scenario, we could lose uh, Harness well, as well. Well, so. Jordy Hewler played on the left for Jordy Hewler played on the left for Coventry in a four three three. Yeah. So if it, he's not used to playing on the left in a four four two, but uh, you could play him there. I, mean, I suppose. Freddie, I've never seen anyone look less excited than Hughes did at that suggestion <laughs> of playing Hewler on the left. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like Jordy Huula as well. I think he's a good player. I'm just not sure he's match fit to throw in a really tough game against Plymouth and get mm. get the towel thrown at him after that game, and then that's it. I mean, do you, you, play do, you go, do you go someone like, I don't know, Harness has swapped with Curtis during the game a few times this year when he's been playing on the right, and so is Williams. Do you put Harness or Williams on on the left, yeah. the other one on the right, probably, and then just probably place will have Harrison and Marquis up front, potentially, yeah. something along those lines? Yeah, I think yeah, if you're playing 4-4-2, like you have to do that. Um, uh, yeah, because it would be very tough to play uh, to drop Euler into that into that game, especially in the league, considering the only 19 minutes he's played since March was that game against West Ham B midweek, which would be a bit rough. And that's probably what put, that, what's Portsmouth's biggest challenges. I think in terms of centre midfield, I still think Blank Close should get the nod. If you're go- if you if you're going to focus on counter attacking Plymouth, you need someone with a wide range of passing, and that's what Ben Close has. So of will play a lot better if they start him in the centre of midfield, in my opinion. But yeah, it would be rough without Jacobs and Curtis, but um, that'll be something to overcome, definitely. Just, just saying, lads, if um, one of the Republic of Ireland attacking players is tested positive for COVID, technically they could call up Harness as well. I've heard it in the media that they were thinking about that as well. All right, that'd Ryan be funny, it? play on the left. Let's play Williams on the left. In that case. So if, if on the left, let's say Harness gets called up as well, then Hugh, and we're mm-hmm. missing two wingers through, or well, we're play, yep. missing two players that can play on the wing through international call-ups. Jacobs is that injured? Mm-hmm. You play what? Williams left. Who do you bring in on the right? Hadji Minoga, right wing. Yeah, play right mid. Yeah, in a four-four-two, I think he'd, I think he'd be fine there. I don't see why you can't do that. I think you you play you play Johnson behind him if he's fit, whatever, and then you just uh, you play Hadji up in, in front of him. I think both of those players got the ability to track back and defend in the system, which Jacket wants, but also both of them have got the ability to get forward. I mean, you saw Minoga nearly gets a goal against Ipswich, you know, unlucky. But I don't see why you can't in a four four two drop Hadji Minoga in a right wing. This is a good problem for us to have, right? This is nice. Like we've actually got we're talking about different options to have depth in different formations even with international call-ups and injuries, it's a good problem to have and not necessarily a problem we have had in terms of like having good squad depth over the last year or two. Oh, you throw James Bolton there, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. But no, I think... I think Interesting, actually. Um, Bolton lined up at centre-back in that West Ham game alongside uh, um, alongside Downing. Um, I don't know if that's potentially Jackie's way of saying that Bolton is... Um, you know, an option for covering centre-back if we lose another one to injury with uh, Jack Watmore out. Yeah, it's potential, definitely. I thought Nicolaisen looked decent in, the, in when I've seen him play as well. Interesting to see. Obviously, I think Rackett starts at the back um, still, but when Jack Watmore comes back. But, you know, there we are. Yeah, we'll see how they play. All right, boys, well, have you got anything else to say on this game or should I wrap it up? Uh, I, I noticed that Plymouth have got uh, one player who we mentioned in our... In our transfers episode way back when, they've got Jerome Apoku as one of the as one of the three centre halves in the in the in um, the three back formation, and he's played very well. Good range of passing, can do excellently with crosses, high level of aerial duels. 
he'll be one of the uh, players to watch if he starts. Nice one. Nice one. Andy, do you have anyone else to watch we haven't mentioned already? I'm good, mate. No, thank I'm, you. I'm, talk- I'm talked out. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, play up, Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast at Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!